Hello, and welcome to Caper Confabs, a health professions podcast from Caper Interprofessional by Design. Confabs are informal conversations. Caper Confabs aims to talk about a wide variety of interprofessional education and practice issues together. So, confab with us. Hello, I'm Michael Morimarco, project manager for Caper. And on today's episode of Caper Confabs, we'll be talking about sense-making. In the complex world of healthcare, it's hard for even the most experienced individuals to grasp all of the written, much less the unwritten, rules. As stated in Deborah Ann Kona's 2011 chapter on sense-making in the Handbook for Teaching Leadership, sense-making is the process through which we give structure to the unknown in order to act within it. It involves understanding a dynamic world and being able to quickly adapt one's understanding of it when new information is presented. In business, this might look like making sense of constantly changing markets or consumer behavior. In politics, sense-making might concern voting behavior and generational culture and subculture. And in healthcare, sense-making involves learning about rapidly changing technologies and treatment options, shifting population health patterns, or even large changes in our healthcare workforce. It is the ability to move seamlessly between intuition and logic, continuously looking for and providing evidence, and generating and testing hypotheses all while continuing to operate within the systems you are questioning. Sensemaking is also a key leadership competency it can enable leaders to better grasp what is going on in their teams and environments. And it takes a leader with sense-making abilities to truly inspire a shared vision for their teams and encourage others in their work. Sense-making is also key to leadership because it calls for real courage within organizations. Because while there is a deep human need to understand what is going on in a changing world, shedding light on the shift is often a lonely and unpopular task. The leader who demonstrates that an organization's strategy has not been successful, for example, may clash with those who want to keep the image of achievement alive. So, come make sense with us today. I want to welcome our fabulous panel, which today includes almost all of our CAPER team. We have Dr. Jerry Lamb, the founding director of CAPER. Hi, Michael. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you, Jerry. We have Dr. Karen Saywert, Director of Academic Innovation at the Edson College of Nursing and Health Innovation, as well as the Evaluation Lead for CAPER. Hi, Michael. I'm really excited to be joining this group and having this particular conversation. We're excited and delighted to have you. We have Jeanette Senecal, the Manager of Instructional Design for Academic Innovation and CAPER's Resident Faculty Development Lead and our Resident Nerd. Thank you, Michael. Professional geek all the way. We also have from out of town, Nina Karamedovich, our CAPER Project Coordinator. Hi, Michael. It is ever so great to be back with this fabulous team in the same room. Yes. And we have our newest member today, Jody Steeler, who is our CAPER Communications Program Coordinator. Hi, Michael. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Welcome, everyone. It is a joy to finally get this team here together in the room for a caper confab. Can we do a shout out to Yvonne? And yes, we are currently missing our fabulous instructional designer from afar, Yvonne Price. Next time. Next time, Yvonne. 
I want to begin this discussion by letting our listeners know that this whole episode has grown out of our caper team's in-depth reflection meetings that we call Confabbing with Ourselves. In these conversations, we cover numerous topics from leadership and strategic planning to stackable credentialing. In trying to find a way to knit these disparate topics together for an episode, we came across the term sense-making, which was unfamiliar to most of us, and it really resonated with the team. So I'd like to start there and ask each of you, why is this concept of sense-making meaningful to you, and what sense-making strategies did you use, and how did you find it helpful? I would love to go first. Cannot wait to share the enthusiasm of finding this article. So thank you, thank you, thank you for making this episode happen. I find this team to be absolutely exceptional as a team that spends time together effectively and really, really well. When I read material on sense making, I realized we've been making a lot of sense together for quite a while. And we've gotten ourselves in and out of situations by being together and making sense. Now, what a treasure is it to have a theoretical frame to describe our processes and to take it further and to possibly inspire others to do the same. So in my mind, we are doing intentional and unintentional, in and out, making sense all the time. Can you say a little bit more about that? What do you mean by unintentional sense-making? Well, as a team, we have created a wonderful environment of open expression of views, opinions, ideas about important topics, our direction, where we are going, or expressing freely uncertainty of where we are not going or don't know where we are going. So I would consider that effective, unintentional sense-making. It would always get us somewhere, and it would get us to wonderful places together. Now, with sense-making as a strategy, as an approach, with the understanding, I think we can go even further. We've talked as a team a lot, and Nina, your comments you know, lead me to, to ponder on this, that the idea of acting with intention is a key attribute to moving a number of the initiatives forward that as a team we have worked on over the years. I'm thinking on the idea of what it means to be unintentionally involved in sense-making. It's as if by accident we do it. And trying to make sense of that comment, that there has seemed to be an innate part of this team that is able just to do this as a part of who we are. So that that unintended, by accident, we stumbled across a word one afternoon to describe or give a name to something, as you've said, that we've been doing, whether we had a name for it or not. Thank you, Karen. I think that really touches on what I was trying to describe. And if we look at the phases and stages of sense-making as described by the authors, I think we could correlate the qualities of this team to those described in the literature as necessary and prerequisite. What I appreciate about sense-making, and it goes to what Nina was talking about with intentional and unintentional, I think we all regularly try and make sense of what's happening around us, especially in healthcare. Things are changing so quickly, whether you're working on the healthcare practice side, whether you're in the academic side, is we do it, I think, intuitively because as humans, we want to understand our world. What I really liked about the concept is it formalizes it. It gives a process, and I think that's what Nina was speaking, 
is it takes you through how you can really make sense of a very complex, unknown world. And what I particularly like about it is it's reassuring. It takes you through steps that you can look at why this problem, how do people think about it, and then move into action. And you don't have to have the right answers because it's continuously improving, looking, and and that's very reassuring in a world of so many unknowns and so many changes. Absolutely. And what I love about what you just said, Jerry, something that really hit for me is I think a lot of it has to do with being comfortable in a space not having the answers, which is why I think it's such a key competency that someone with this skill, they can go into a situation confident regardless of whether or not they know 100% what is going on. And I love it. And I love the idea of intentional versus unintentional because, yeah, I think if it's something you're good at, And I think, as you pointed out, this team is really good at it. It's something that's just kind of always going on in the background, that no matter what, if there's unknowns, we're doing our best to make sense of them. So to kind of ride that thought, one of my colleagues recently in academic innovation said in relation to a podcast episode we were working on around learning theory and teaching theory, that there's great power in naming our processes and our systems, even if we didn't initially realize we were leaning upon some sort of defined system, but that allows us to evolve even more and to have more strength in our systems and our processes and our abilities. For me, when I started to learn about this, the first thing that came to mind, and I'm going to take you down a slightly geeky analogy here, was I started thinking about digital images. When you expand or zoom in on a digital image, there's a process that occurs called interpolation. And basically, the pixels, something has to happen in order for a larger picture to look good and to have a good resolution, to be meaningful. And for me, sense making is a little bit of that interpolation where in order to understand the image that we're faced with or the situation that we're in, we have to be able to fill in those pixels to find a way to make sense of all the things around us and to use that information wherever we are. And to that end, I will say that the sense-making article you introduced in your introduction states very early on that sense-making calls for courage. And that absolutely is important to me because I think it is hard when you're faced with a new task, a new role, a new team, and understanding that it does take courage to do that interpolation, figure out your bigger picture outside maybe your common scope of reference. Based on the courage springboard, I'd like to share with all of us for reaction and reflection some additional quotes from Professor Ancona. I have before me an excerpt from an interview where she discusses her viewpoints on the four capabilities of leadership. Sense-making is one of those. The remaining three are relating, visioning, and inventing. And within an interview, she quoted an American economist, John Kenneth Galbraith, and said, quote, all of the great leaders have had one characteristic in common. It was the willingness to confront unequivocally the major anxiety of their people in their time. This and not much else is the essence of leadership. What do you think? 
well stated. Well, Jeanette and Karen, what is going through my mind right now as being the newest team member to CAPER, I joined in February. And at first it felt like I was drinking from a fire hose, but it never felt overwhelming because there was this immediate safety created from the team. And from that comes community and from that comes vulnerability. And then it comes full circle to where you can reach out to your team and ask the questions and have kind of that safe space to learn. And so again, being able to put sense making to that and not you know, being too on the nose, but that made sense to me. And also, you know, working in different environments, realizing that that process was not occurring was huge. And I think that was also even more reassuring that this is how a team should work. Jody, I had the exact same reaction to this article is why is our work together so effective? And when you go through the, the steps in sense-making, you start by trying to understand what's going on around you. And you are encouraged to look at as many points of view as possible. And in the world that we live in, in interprofessional work, we're constantly crossing boundaries. We're constantly working with other professions. We're working across settings, academe, practice. And it opens that door And I think what I was resonating with is that our discussions are in a safe place because the first stage of of sense-making is to not only explore multiple ideas, it's to try them out in a new framework. And that can be very challenging. It also can be frightening. And here is a safe spot. And, And not only that, we're all very different from each other. We represent different professions, different work, different ages. And so this is a a great place to try out new ideas and how we're seeing the world. And it allows us to walk out the door and go ask other people because that first stage is you've got to have multiple views, create your own mind map, and then try it out. And one of the things that I love about this team is we're fearless. We go out the door and we try things. And if it doesn't work, we come back in and we go, whoop, didn't work. What are we going to do next? And so I think what you were saying is absolutely critical. It's critical for students, too, is they have to have a place of trust. And as they're working in their teams, they need to be able to try this out. Precisely. And so with that in mind, How do we all see this skill being used by actual health professionals individually and in these interprofessional team settings? I mean, how how can you translate this skill to your learners of all backgrounds? Before we get there, um, um, I'd like to invite us to, I don't want to say define, but what are we talking about? We're talking about this. We're talking about it. What is sense-making? You know, is it a process? Is it a model? It is, um, what are we doing when we're doing it? And reflecting on the work of Dr. Akana, it is that piece about making sense of the world, however it comes to us. And Jerry, you have referenced steps, you know, in a process. So somehow starting with that foundation in order to answer and respond to your question seems important. To that point, what I thought was really a succinct definition of what sense-making is, is is right there in the opening statements. So sense-making, according to Carl Rake, refers to how we structure the unknown so as to be able to act in it. 
And to me, this is the beginning and this is the end. How do we structure it and how, how do we operationalize it? How do we help and invite others to join us in acting in this unknown that by virtue of being worked, worked through becomes known. And I think as we reflect back on our work together over the last few years, more than one instance of those processes comes to mind. One of my all-time favorites is that of ripples. And um, that's, of course, a whole other episode that I will not go into here. Well, I think, you know, I think when we, it generates, you know, concepts. And so I'm still thinking about Jeanette, what you said about courage. I'm, I'm thinking about we recognize sense-making when we see creativity, when we see an uninhibited team, which is probably pretty characteristic of this group. When we think of seeing a process that's forward-thinking and flexible, and so it's starting to, in, in my mind's eye, take shape. I can feel it as well as experience it, but I can feel it and see it. Well, and for learners, so so Nina, you talked about moving from the unknown to the known and that that's kind of an unfolding process. That ideally shouldn't be an unfamiliar experience for students, but this layer of teamness working outside that little piece of their own picture or focus or expertise, where do they begin moving from the unknown to the known about teamness and working interprofessionally? I identified similar issues and problems that I see all the time in students and faculty for that matter, which I think the the idea of sense-making helps is why do people struggle so much to learn how to work together? Why, Why isn't it easier for them? Why isn't it easier for our students? Why isn't it easier for our faculty to role model this? And why aren't our student teams and provider teams more successful? It's so popular, it is so important in healthcare today, and I think we've all seen that healthcare teams struggle to be effective. And so I just would like to go back to Karen's question is, is this a process? Is it an outcome? I think it's both because it starts with a process, but you have to go somewhere with it. And so as I read Ancona's article, what I took away is, and let me just go through it real quickly so that we can apply it for students is you start with exploration. You have a problem, you have an issue that you just don't understand. And you have to have the courage to acknowledge you don't understand it and you're not gonna bring old solutions or old tapes to it. And what I really appreciate is you have to really take a look at what's going on and you have to do it as a group. You don't do sense-making individually. So this is an ideal process for what we're teaching students about teamwork. The other piece that I appreciate in the exploration stage is something we deal with all the time in the interprofessional world, is biases about each other. And Ancona is very direct, saying, you got to let them go, okay? is that you may have beliefs about other disciplines, whether it's nursing, medicine, pharmacy, social work, any discipline, and you have to let them go. And so that's really critical, and it lays it out, is watching those stereotypes going to where the work happens. Then you create a mental map, and I have to say I absolutely love that, because anybody who knows me knows that I draw. 
And I make sense by drawing mental maps. And the message that I took away from this is that the map has to be shared. It can't just be my map. I tend to draw maps in isolation. And this is a great reminder that that sense-making is not my individual map. It's everybody's map. Is the work, Jerry, at at the individual level, uh, maybe back up just a bit, as you were describing that, and I was mental mapping in my mind, and was thinking about how talking about sense-making on an individual level in your office by yourself with the door closed probably occurs, but that kind of aligns with, in the interprofessional context of our conversations, that uniprofessional silo. We do it. We do individual sense-making and and come out of our office, open the door, and say, I've made sense out of this. Now I'm going to push my reality on you. But So I think it's that collaboration, the working collaboratively, that is at the core of sense-making together. And to, to think about it in that, in the, in the power of one, is not, I think, to be diminished, but looking at the value of the many and the sharpening of those collaboration skills. Those are really, really important points. I just want to add a quick thought there that in order to get to the point of building collaborative maps, you have to have a little bit of trust established and some framework around that to an extent. Have you ever walked cold into a classroom of students and asked them to build a concept map together? They don't know each other. They're not sure of the social norms. Nobody wants to take a leadership position and stampede across the others. Those are also skills and processes that need to emerge to be successful with collaboration as well. I couldn't agree more that these are the prerequisites both in the classroom but in our team presence and our, our, our team being together. I cannot but quote read from the quote here which says that we are seeing a massive shift from management by command and control to management by collaboration and teamwork. And the emphasis is mine, you could almost say this shift is as revolutionary as the assembly line. Well, I guess the other part of this is mental mapping journey, knowing where we're going and realizing that we may develop a, a map that leads us to a brick wall. I don't know what I well, I just want I that it just struck me to that not all of our maps, not all of our journeys lead potentially to what we might perceive to be our preferred outcome. And that seems important to me to throw out. And Karen, I absolutely agree with that. And earlier when we were discussing what is that and what is it, and for me in sense-making, it's listening. And to throw a patient perspective, you know, remove stigma, throw it out there, I had a full hysterectomy in January, and I'm only 36 years old. And it took five years to figure out that we needed to get this to this step. I was fortunate enough to work within a healthcare team that I not only had a specialist who 
enacted IPE in every moment and every fiber of his being, but I got to work with the residents who came through. I got to work with the health nurse team, care coordinators, and it was this IPE in action that even over the five years, I saw how it has changed and how sense-making is starting to find its way in healthcare. And I'm, I'm so, so excited to be jumping into the arena now, not only with the personal experience, but to know that this the conversations are happening. They're happening in the classrooms. They're happening with the students. And it's, it's happening with faculty. And now it's reaching its way to medicine and specialists and with complex cases and figuring out when you're in the middle of something and you don't know what's going to happen, it's scary. But I had faith in my care team. And just to watch that teamwork happen was just, I have the utmost respect to them. It seems to me that your experience over five years also affirms what Karen was saying is sometimes the map you draw yes. doesn't take you where you want to be. Yes, And for me, that's also the beauty of the third step of sense-making is try it out, live it. And if it doesn't work, that's the mark of flexibility, adaptability, and an effective team, is don't keep banging that same nail if you're not going anywhere with it. And it really fits with continuous quality improvement, Karen. Yes, Which it does. is get in there, try it out, and if it doesn't work, try something else. Make adjustments. You know, when, as I'm taking in and absorbing this, this conversation and discussion, I'm reflecting that a number of the podcasts that I've participated in, it has been a kind of a naturalistic to get into the theoretical feel, you know, the ideas, um, naming the names, talking about sense-making, but then there's the boots-on-the-ground practicality. I think it's obvious we're, we kind of like the notion of, of doing this. So how would we encourage our colleagues, our students, and others to try this on for size and not just think this is another part of the alphabet soup of IPE, just another gadget to try on? What's in it for them to actually try to practice this? And how can we promote and give others and ourselves opportunities to practice this? Because I think this team has emerged to do this because we've practiced, 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 been successful, practiced, failed, practiced, been successful over and over. I'd like to throw this one to Jeanette because what I heard you saying before said to me that sense-making is really foundational to interprofessional competence particularly collaboration, is that it builds an ability to see the world in multiple ways. You have to be open. You have to be flexible. It also requires critical thinking. Yes. You, you can't move from one stage to the other if you're not critically thinking. So don't you think in response to Karen's question with what you said before that the selling point of this is students have to have a skill in sense-making to be able to even begin to anticipate what interprofessional practice means. Absolutely, building that skill I think is essential, but also I think foundationally the word sense-making, like we're biological blobs floating through the universe, right? 
And we're all interpreting environmental stimuli and, and trying to understand what's going on in the world around us. Like that's in, in kind of an inherent process. So the word, such as it is, could mean many different things to many different people. So part of getting that foundational skill and, and marketing it to students and building the connection to interprofessional practice is helping them understand that it is a system that there are steps, that it actually means something beyond just absorbing things coming at you. So building relevance, making connections, constructing that mental map that will lead them to greater success, both as individuals and as part of a team in their future care, I think helps make sense of sense-making for students. I love what you were describing, Jeanette. And it almost sounds like we are helping students develop the muscle of sense-making that becomes stronger and stronger as it gets repeated and repeated. And that becomes a skill and property that you take wherever with you to whatever professional or personal context life may take you. And um, in, in, in that regard, it is basically inseparable from the interprofessional collaborative teamwork when you come to think about it. And I'm still back on being a biological blob in the universe. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I like organism. I'm a biological organism in the universe. One of the things that struck me is, is we frequently look for the translatability among concepts. And what hit me as I was looking at kind of the stages of sense making, the processes, and, and let me just, one thing I wanted to remember to say is that Ancona writes that students come back after many years and they say that the work on sense-making was more important than anything else they learned in in their business programs. It struck me that there is just dramatic similarities to the work that I have learned from architects on design thinking. And so there's analogies across the whole interprofessional space on design thinking. And going back to what Jeanette was saying, it's all foundational to collaboration, to interprofessional competence, and giving students confidence in the world. We send them out into a very complicated world, not only with healthcare, with politics, with policy, and this gives them a toolkit that says it doesn't have to be so scary. I agree wholeheartedly, Jerry. Something that I kept thinking about was we're kind of trained in all aspects of our life to fear change and have this great fear of the unknown. and. It doesn't have to be that way. Change isn't always difficult. Sometimes we put a lot more energy into maintaining the status quo. And so this skill of sense-making can really just help those students to enter that space with a little more confidence. And some may argue that anxiety and agitation is a necessary ingredient to change and getting there. I'm struck with going back to looking at the quote I shared on Galbraith and reframing it a bit to talk about this as a a willingness to enact leadership on the journey to IPE because I think part of what we've all been involved in is influencing, working to influence others to a way of, of thinking and doing that leads on a map to interprofessional education, collaborative practice, and team-based care. I think that provides an excellent closing segue to say that we would love to have our listeners, our interprofessional colleagues, help us 
understand where you're at with sense making. Engage with us. Um, reach out to us on Twitter and Facebook. Send us an email. Connect with us at conferences because this is an important conversation, I think, an important concept that we can all move forward together. And I would contend that leadership in the interprofessional space looks, feels, and is different than other quote-unquote kinds of leadership. And leading interprofessionally would be a wonderful topic to talk about in a future podcast. Well, then I guess we all have that to look forward to. One more note on how to close it. Recommendation number four says be very sensitive to operations, which basically means learn from those closest to the front line. And I think this is what the feature characteristic of this team has been. And I think this is where we will be the best at work with our students as well. Learn from them and with them. I think that is a wonderful call for all of us. I can't thank each of you enough for being here with us today. And for our listeners, you can find all of the resources mentioned in our episode today and more at ipe.asu.edu slash podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Caper Confabs. We'd love to connect with you and hear about your buzz, so please check out our website at ipe.asu.edu. Engage with us on Facebook or Twitter, or email us at caperconfabs at asu.edu. Courage, creativity, critical thinking, flexibility. We can go out with that.